Hello, welcome. You know, having a level of healthy pride is possible. Uh, that's a feeling of pleasure and satisfaction that you get because people connected with you have achieved or received something good. Uh, this guy, Jim Wallace, who I met once, very impressive. I met him briefly. Uh, he was uh, one of the commanders of the All uh, Special Forces in Australia. And he said that the real power of effective leadership is maximising other people's potential, which inevitably demands also ensuring they get the credit. The Apostle Paul puts it another way. Paul says, if you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favour, says Paul. He sounds so Aussie. He says, agree with each other. Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. Don't push your way to the front, Mark. Don't sweet-talk your way to the top, Mark. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough, says Paul, to lend a helping hand. You see, that attitude of helping others is fueled by a healthy pride. Uh, one of my sister-in-laws, she's a very capable woman, and uh, she did something she's done a thousand times, and that is she drove a beautiful car, new car, to the service station, and she jumped out, and as she's done a thousand times before, she went round to the uh, pump and um, pulled off the diesel nozzle and opened up a cap and pumped the diesel into a car. All good. Except her car wasn't a diesel car. Yes, serious stuff. Unhealthy pride is when your heart is being filled with the wrong fuel. It's a feeling of being better than others. It's an exceedingly high self-regard. It's a high or inordinate opinion of your own dignity, importance, merit or superiority. One writer describes unhealthy pride this way. He says, pride at its heart is an obsession with self. It generates desire you feel to protect, uh, project, manipulate, jockey, advance, pretend, inflate, and brag. That's why unhealthy pride takes first place in a list of seven deadly sins. It spreads like cancer to every area of your life and impacts everyone around you. Unhealthy pride affects your heart in three ways. There's three ways that the wrong fuel of unhealthy pride affects your heart. The first way, performance. Look at what I do. Um, Sally and I, my wife, were raised in families that were camping from when we were little. So um, we got together and got married with very experienced campers and we started to continue that tradition. And, and Sally's excellent. She knows how to set up a campsite and make it all happen. And one time, um, decades ago, our eldest daughter was uh, in nappies 
and uh, we went camping on uh, Great Ocean Road around the other side of Victorian coastline. And we get to the camping site and um, it's on lush green grass right by the river. And we think, oh, here's the spot. So we pull up. The only problem was it was getting towards the end of the day and it was raining. So we sat there in the car, it's raining and Sally being so experienced, she said, you know, all right, I'll grab the pegs and the ropes and the poles ready. You, you jump out and you grab the tent mark and get out and unfold it on the spot and then bang, away we go. So on the count of three, we jumped out in the rain and Sally went and got her gear and I got around and got out the big tent and I put it out on the lush grass and I unfolded it and squared it all up exactly where he wanted. And by that time, Sally was ready to go and bang in went the, the pegs, bang up went the poles, boom, up went the tent ropes, all good. And within a very short time, we're inside the tent and it's belting rain and all's good. And uh, I can remember lying there thinking, oh, Sally's a pretty good camper, you know, she's so experienced, it's fantastic. But I'm laying there in the dark thinking to myself in my sleeping bag, but I'm pretty good at it too, really, seriously. Come to think of it, I reckon I'm one of the most experienced camping guys I know. I am good at it. I, I was feeling what Augustine sometimes des described as the love of one's own excellence. In the morning, when the sun came up, Sally's lying in her sleeping bag and I'm in mine and Sells line and she goes to me, Mark, what do you notice? I looked around. I don't know what. She goes, you set the tent up inside out. And sure enough, I had. Over the early decades at Gateway, Sally and I walked in a gateway in late 86. And um, over the decades, we've watched... Uh, Gateway grow uh, into a great church, not not a perfect church, but just a, a great church because and it's great because of the hundreds of volunteers over the decades who have served and made it such a great place to be involved in. But in those early decades, sometimes a Sally would occasionally come up to me quietly and just say to me, "You know, Mark, sometimes." You seem to talk more about Gateway than you do about Jesus. Oh. My tribe would rise up and I'd stand there and I would give Sally a list of why that's just not true. And she'd just look at me and smile and go, okay, and quietly just walk off. I hated that. Guys, don't you hate that when your partner gives you a suggestion, a ripple thought between your ears to get you thinking? And we react and they just quietly go off. I hate it. But decades later, she was right. She was right. Performance. Look at what I do. It's the wrong fuel. The next way that the wrong fuel gets into your heart with pride and, and comes out through possessions. Possessions. Look at what I have. I've talked before about uh, my good mate. He's got a, a big yacht uh, off the Queensland coast and um, it's you can sleep on it. You can sleep 
six or so people on it. it it's got a kitchen and toilet and shower and a barbecue area and all, all this stuff. It's a big yacht. It's great. One day, he rings me. I said, what's going on? He said, oh, I took some guests out um, sailing on the weekend. I said, oh, how'd it go? He said, oh, it's good. I took them across to Stradbroke Island, which he'd done hundreds of times before. I said, oh, yeah, it was good. He said, yeah, the sky was blue. It was a beautiful day. I said, what'd you do then? He said, well, on the run home, we, we sailed past Peel Island, again, which he's done hundreds of times. I said, oh, that would have been great. He said, yeah, yeah, it was, um, it was good. I said, why? What would he mean? He goes, oh, I, um, I sailed too close to Peel Island. I said, you what? He said, I sailed too close to Peel Island. I said, what? You've done that a hundred times, what? He said, yeah. I so what happened? He goes, oh, I ran into a shoal of rocks. I said, you're joking. He goes, no, no. I said, so I was too busy worrying about the guests and that. And so what'd you do? He said, well, I grabbed the, grabbed the wheel and yanked it and the guests didn't know what was going on. He said, but I was going over the shoal and, and the yacht's going boom, 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 boom. But I grabbed it and th- thrust it around and got it off the shoal of rocks. I said, are you serious? He said, yeah. You could have ripped the keel off your yacht. He said, I know. I said, what were you thinking? And then I gave it to him. I said, what is wrong with you? You're the big skipper, are you? Standing on your deck, preening your feathers about how good you are with your yacht, with your guests, and you, you ran over a shoal of rocks that you've sailed past hundreds of times. And he, he was laughing. And um, yeah, he had a good laugh about it. He said, yeah, I know, I don't know. <laughs> It reminds me of William Henry's famous poem. You may have heard of of Invictus. And it ends with these two well-known verses. I'm the master of my fate. I'm the captain of my soul. You know, hitting the hidden shoals of rocks in our lives, such as illnesses or pandemics, indicates that we're not the master or the captain of our futures, or of our possessions, like we think we are. Possessions. Look at what I have. It's the wrong fuel. It really is. And the third way the wrong fuel of pride can get inside our hearts and operate, it comes out through popularity. Look at all my friends. You know, your crowd of friends are they really your friends or are they just acquaintances or hangers-on? The friends on your social media site could have clicked the join button because they're lonely or just bored. Popularity. Look at all my friends. It's, it's the wrong feel. It really is. The pandemic has revealed the, the fragility of unhealthy Uh, being proud of our performance, our possessions, and our so-called popularity. But there is a way forward. There really is. But it requires two crucial steps. Step one, admit we've been pumping the wrong fuel. C.S. Lewis explains it this way. If anyone would like to acquire humility, I can, I think, tell him the first step. 
The first step is to realise that one is proud. Ouch. And a biggest step too. At least nothing whatever can be done before that, says C.S. Lewis. If you think you are not conceited, he says, it means you are very conceited indeed. Here's the quick drive-in pride test. Now, what I want you to do is grab your thumb and uh, ready? Come on, you can do it. You're sitting at home, it's only your family or you're lying in bed or and Dave, Dr. Dave, our tech man's about to do it. So let, let's grab your thumb and put it on your forehead. Let's do a drive-in, a quick drive-in pride test. Dave's ready to go. I'm ready to go. You're ready to go? Here's the test. Let's have a look at it. You never apologise or you hate having to apologise. That's the first part of the pride test. The second one is you have a a lack of deep regret. Saying yes to either of those two statements means you are infected with the sin of pride and it's deadly to you and to everyone around you. A humble apology is a huge pride breaker. It really is. Humility is the antidote. The Apostle Paul says we need to be to do some inner exploring. He says, make a careful exploration of who you are and the work that you've been given. And, don't, and then sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself, Mark. Don't compare yourself to others, Mark. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. Paul's right on the money. Step two, get the right fuel into our hearts. The right fuel is focusing on God's promises. Why do I say that? Because my experience has been when you focus on God's promises, it's funny how it squashes down pride and it doesn't have such a hold on on your life or in your heart. We need to turn off the pride pump and turn on the promise pump. Let, let me unpack that a bit for you. Uh, the history of Israel um, over the centuries, that just so many really tough times, and they cried out to God so much. In the pandemic, um, we have really stretching times, don't we? And the same God that looked after the Israelites is the same God that looks after his children today. And it's the same principle that he brings out and puts out in front of us. And it's this. God says through his prophet Jeremiah, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you and continued my faithfulness to you. Again, I will build you and you will be rebuilt. This pandemic, um, for some of you, it's, You've experienced illnesses, um, operations, loss of loved ones, um, high levels of anxiety, relational fractures, missed opportunities. Leave the rebuild to God, whatever that looks like going forward. I don't know what that is for you. 
Now, I don't know what that looks like for me. I really don't. But you and I need to leave that rebuild to God because he's promised that he will be in that rebuild. The early Christians were under extreme pressure. But God reminded them yet again, I will never leave you. Never. And I will not loosen my grip on your life. That's another promise. I love uh, this one where Jesus is standing in a crowd and he stands there and he says to them all, you know, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never die. No one can snatch them away from me. Jesus says, what my father has given me is greater than everything. And no one can snatch them away from the father's care. That's another promise. Your heavenly father's promises are pandemic proof because he cares about you. Let me personalise one of the best loved verses in the Bible to show you how much God cares about you. This is how much God loved you. He gave his son, his one and only son, and this is why. So that you need not be destroyed. By believing in him, you can have whole and lasting life. You know, when you embrace the forgiveness and the love and the care of this heavenly father, you then begin to discover the pride that he has in you. Simply because you are now one of his precious children. Our deadly pride in our our performance and possessions and popularity are not on God's radar. He's never impressed by those peripherals. He's really not. Uh, Hillsong's Young and Free have, have this great song that opens with this. I could run a thousand miles to win the race of life. But what's the value without you? Your Heavenly Father's promises to you are this. I'll always love you. I have your soul secured. I am always with you. I have made you worthy. I am always mindful of you. I'll always call you mine. Your deadly pride or God's life-giving promises? Choose carefully. Sila, let's pause, reflect and be refreshed. <laughs>